Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He's in Rome. He's not free physically either. He's in bondage. He's chained to soldiers. Every four to six hours, a new soldier. 24-7, two years, and then he's beheaded. But notice what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being chained, put here in prison, has really served to advance, what? The gospel. It's hard to imagine being in the Apostle Paul's position held in prison and chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day for two years. It's even more remarkable to know that most of the letters we have from him were written while he was imprisoned. Pastor Mark is teaching from the book of Philippians and will share with us the attitude that Paul was able to have and maintain that allowed him to have such a positive outlook. He had learned to transcend his physical situation and focus on his true responsibility which was sharing the gospel. This certainly is an example we need to learn to follow. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message, Advancing the Gospel. Philippians chapter 1. There are a lot of things in our lives that we would, well, we might say this, they're big deals. The things that are very important, and of course they change from time to time. Right here, today, our economy is a big deal. Unemployment is a big deal. The oil spill in the Gulf is a big deal. LeBron James is a big deal. The Iran nuclear program, it's a big deal. And the Afghanistan war, of course, is also a big deal. But there's one other thing on this weekend that you need to know. Freedom is a big deal. Freedom is a big deal. Listen to Ronald Reagan. Let the 4th of July always be a reminder that here in this land for the first time, it was decided that man is born with certain God-given rights. That government is only a convenience created and managed by the people with no powers of its own except those voluntarily granted to it by the people. 
We sometimes forget that great truth, and we never should. Here we are, celebrating the Declaration of Independence, which declared our physical freedom from Great Britain. That's a big deal. When Jesus stepped into ministry, he spoke about a different kind of freedom that was a big deal. You see, Israel, at the time that Jesus was living, it wasn't free. It was ruled by the Romans. Basically, Jesus didn't pay any attention to that. But at the start of his ministry, he talked about another freedom, a very different freedom. He talked about spiritual freedom. Here in Mark chapter 1, notice what is said. Now, after John was put in prison, John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching, here's the word we're going to pay attention to today, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. And notice what he says. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus tells the whole world that there's a freedom that you need to pay attention to. It's not political. It's not physical. It's spiritual. And so Jesus says the gospel is a big deal. First thing for you to write today. And when you see the little yellow, that means emphasis. And so when we say it in a moment, you have to kind of put the emphasis on the syllable. You know what I mean? Put it at the right spot. Let's just say it together. The gospel is a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well, as you begin to think about that word, we ask you to turn to Philippians. You're there in Philippians. Look down to verse 12. Just have the word gospel on your mind. Look in verse 12. Now remember, Paul, he's in Rome. He's not free physically either. He's in bondage. He's chained to soldiers. Every four to six hours, a new soldier. 24-7, two years, and then he's beheaded. But notice what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being chained, put here in prison, has really served to advance, what? The gospel. Paul says, I'm chained, but the gospel, the word of God, is not chained. And so he says, I'm here and God has given me the ability to share spiritual freedom with those that I'm around, even though I'm physically chained. Now, in our teaching, and we'll be covering the next four verses in a moment, starting in verse 15, Paul is going to say to us three things. And before I tell you that, I want you to put your thinking caps on. 
I want you to remove yourself from Brevard County, Indian River County, Orlando. And I want you to put yourself 2,000 years ago. And I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. Now, if you were chained 24-7 for two years with Roman guards that were pagans, they believed in all kinds of Roman gods and all kinds of crazy stuff. They didn't know anything about Judaism. They didn't know anything about Christ. They had nothing to idea about the Old Testament, New Testament, none of that. If you were there and you knew God put you there, what would you do? Well, the word that should come to your mind should be the word gospel. Paul says, I'm here. I'm advancing the gospel, even though I'm chained. And the next thing we're going to learn in our reading, Paul says, I'm also defending the gospel. And the last of our three points that you'll get this morning, all in sequence later, you don't have to worry about it now. He says, I'm not only advancing the gospel, I'm not only defending the gospel, but I'm making sure that the gospel is the key thing. It's the main thing. So Paul understood, as Jesus did, that the gospel, it's a big deal. Now, I can't advance the gospel. Paul's right in the church. Advance the gospel. Defend the gospel. Keep the gospel the main thing. I can't do those unless I know what the gospel is. Now, you might think you know what it is, but most of us take the gospel and we equate it to one little event. You'll see that in a moment, when we got saved. And then we forget about the gospel. That is 100% wrong. The gospel, when you become a follower of Christ, will follow you. It should be part of your life until you step into heaven. And then there's even a role. So, I want you to think about it today. How would you respond... If you were chained to these soldiers, and I said to you, advance the gospel, defend the gospel, keep the gospel the main thing, what would you do? How would you start? What would you say? Well, that's what I'm going to teach you this morning. You're just going to see some words. But I want you to write the words, because they're huge. They're huge for you and I as we begin this teaching. Now, before we do that, we have to define for you something. What is the gospel? What is the original word in, in the Greek language? What does it mean? Simple. Here it is. A good message. Or simply, you've heard it said many times, good news. Now, anybody open the newspaper this morning? How many pages did you have to go before you found good news? You may not have found it anywhere unless there was something on sale in the sale paper. The rest of it's like all what? Bad news. It's horrible. But the good news means there's a good message. It means there's something coming that you need to hear. Now, every year we hear all kinds of great stories. People being saved, freed, delivered. A man is rescued from a swollen river. A child is saved by firefighters from a burning building. A woman is delivered from an attacker because some brave bystander came along. Well, all of those people needed to be rescued or delivered or saved. Paul is going to start talking to these guards and he's going to say, everyone needs to be rescued. 
Everyone needs to be delivered. Everyone needs to be saved. Of course, then he's going to have to say to them, answer their question. Well, what do you mean I need to be saved? I'm the guard. You're the one that I'm watching. I've got no problem. And Paul's going to have to explain to them that there is a penalty because man is born with sin. And because of that sin, unless we do something with it, God will never be with us the rest of our lives and eternity as well. So Paul's going to begin and he's going to say the gospel is about salvation. It's about forgiveness. It's about being born again. It's about a new start. It's about a spiritual rebirth. And ultimately, it's about heaven. So we're going to start, I want you to write some of these areas down so that you can see what you and I should be sharing today when people ask, why do you go to church? What's this gospel thing? What do you mean you're saved? Born again? What is that? So here we go. Notice in the middle of the three statements, past, present, and future. In other words, this is a picture of the gospel, and it has effects in our life the day we get saved, but then it's with us our whole life on earth, and eventually, eventually, it has even to do with our future when we get to heaven. So we never outgrow the gospel. It's part of us from the beginning to the end. We never, ever outgrow it. So let's take a look at the first part. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, this Paul would have explained this to the guard, repent of our sins. Ask him to come in by faith and receive him. What happens is that's the event of salvation. That's something that happens one time in your life. And what that does, it removes the penalty of the sin that you and I had. In other words, when we're born, we're all born with sin. You'll see that in a moment quickly. And that sin separates me from a holy God. How in the world am I going to get rid of it? We'll see how you get rid of it. You already know how you get rid of it. They didn't. Jesus Christ came on the cross. He took your sin and my sin, and it was the great exchange. He was my substitute. So I couldn't have done it. Jesus did it. So I'm saved. I'm born again. My sins are forgiven. They're forgotten, and it's gone. It's wonderful. It's terrific. It's a brand new beginning. That penalty of sin, which was death, is removed. But that's not it. A lot of people think, well, that's it. I got my fire insurance. See ya. No. By the way, the first step, if you want to write it down spiritually, in religious terms, is the word justification, the first phase. Justification. We use the term like, just as I never sinned. That, that's partly true, but it's, it's way more than that. But that is true. In other words, we're forgiven, and God forgets our sins. He doesn't just forgive them, he forgets them. How many of you are married? Forgiving and forgetting. You've been there 20 years later. Your spouse says, I thought you told me you forgave me that. 
Why'd you bring it up? That was 20 years ago. Well, I did forgive you. I just couldn't forget it. Been there, haven't you? Do you know when God forgives? He forgets. Now, it's not like he got spiritual Alzheimer's. He remembers. He just chooses not to remember. Do you get it? So, is that wonderful? That's awesome. So, that's the first phase. Now, what happens? It's the process of salvation. Notice, I have been saved. Now, I am being saved. Now, what does that mean? Being saved from the power of sin. Well, Pastor Mark, you told me my sin's forgiven. Where does the power of sin come back in? Well, when you got saved, your spirit was made alive. But that old sin nature is in there. You know the word temptation? And you know when temptation, when you give in to temptation, you know what it's like. Sometimes you think it's worth it until afterward. If you're on a diet, who wants to be on a diet July 4th? Greasy hamburgers, hot dogs, cake, all kind of stuff. But you're not supposed to eat it, but you eat it. You give in and it feels really good while you're eating it. Then when you get on the scale in the morning, you wish you didn't do it. Spiritually, it's the same way. We have that battle in us. But Romans tells us, when we got saved, God put his Holy Spirit in here. So when he did that, I have the power, when Satan tempts me, to simply say this. No. No, thank you. Pass. I have the power. So, how long will I be tempted as a Christian? Just the first few weeks, and then I'm past that. I'm never tempted. Is, is that right? Hello, you're here. You already know the answer to that. I'll be tempted until I take my last breath. Well, Pastor Mark, that's depressing. No, it isn't. I have the power to say no. Well, who gives me the power? The Holy Spirit. Just read Romans 6. I have the power. Sin will not have dominion over me. Do I always say no? No. I do not always say no. Sometimes I give. And then what do I do? First time went on, I ask to ask forgiveness. So I have been saved. I am being saved right now. This second term is really a term called sanctification. It means set apart. That second phase set apart to be like, to be like Jesus. Well, here's the third one. This is the real good one. When you take your last breath, you go to heaven. That was a place for an amen. Let me try, we'll back, we'll back up again. When you take your last breath, you go to heaven. Very good. A little slow. Get your coffee after. And when I get to heaven, what does it say? It says the complete completion of my salvation, saved from the presence of sin forever. So when I get to heaven, I won't be tempted anymore. Why? There's no sin in heaven. That was another... When I get to heaven, I won't be tempted because there's no sin in heaven. That's going to be a great place. No more temptation. Why? Because sin isn't there. That's called glorification. Justification, sanctification, glorification. I'm going to be like Christ. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm not going to sit next to the guy at Starbucks and say, sanctification, what does it mean to you? No, that's for you to understand. 
But you can explain to him there's a process where God wants to take us and make us something like that. You see, when a person gets born again, saved, comes to faith, all our sins are forgiven. Then we kind of usually forget about this thing called the gospel as if it's in the past. But look, it's not in the past. Past, present, future. We never outgrow our need for the gospel. You have to understand that. So what that really means is, next thing I want you to write this morning, salvation is a, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Salvation is a big, big deal. Let's say it together. Salvation is a big deal. Now, why is it a big deal? Because if you're not saved, you will be lost forever. Every friend that you have, every relative you have, every co-worker, they will spend eternity in one of two places. To be honest with you, there's nothing bigger. But we don't get it. You see, as you begin to understand that, we begin to see the heart of God. Let me ask you a question. Paul would have shared these truths with the Roman guards. He would share these truths about his own conversion, how it happened, because they wouldn't have understood any of that. And then he would have shared from his writings. I want you to look at his writings. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. Now, when you get there, you will understand what it means. And it's going to be a great little passage that you can learn yourself to explain to your friends, your relatives, your co-workers that really don't know about God. And I'll ask you to circle a few things as we go through. So here we go. Verse 1. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, circle these words, you were dead. Now, Paul's writing to people. What does he mean, they were dead? He's writing to dead people? No, he's writing to alive people, but they were spiritually dead. You were dead, past tense, in your transgressions and sins. In other words, every person is born with a sin nature. And he says, at one time, you were spiritually dead. He would have said the very same thing to those Roman guards. Look at verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of air and the, the spirit, Satan, all of this is Satan, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Notice, unbelievers say this. I don't want to come to Christ because Christ, you say I have to give my life to Christ and he rules my life. I'm free to do my life now. I don't want anybody ruling my life. No, they're wrong. Notice what it says. They're following the ways of the world. The world squeezes them into its mold. And then there's a kingdom ruler. His name is Satan. The spirit who is at work in them. They're puppets for Satan. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of the situation the Apostle Paul was being held in while he wrote this letter. We were taught the meaning of the word gospel, which is a good message. We have the best news for people they could ever know about. It's a big deal because the people being born need to hear it before they become one of the people who die. We 
We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the message, Advancing the Gospel. We'll hear more about the Apostle Paul's attitude, which seems remarkable because it's witnessed so rarely these days. We will be taught about the importance of sharing the gospel and of not letting circumstances or people's negativity stop us from obeying Christ's commission. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.